0: Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, reading from the King James, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, as we know him, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. One last verse. Luke chapter 11, verse one, reading from the King James. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I want to talk to you about this subject tonight, effectual, fervent prayer effectual, fervent prayer. Would you lift your voice with me one more time and just ask God to have his way through the remainder of this service. Lord Jesus, once again, we thank you for your spirit and your presence that we feel in this room. And God, right now, we just open up our minds and our hearts and our spirits, and we prepare this soil on the inside of us to receive the seed of the word. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us as individuals, speak to us as families, as a church body tonight. And God, I pray that something that is said, something that we can Glean from, from your word tonight, would go with us tonight, God, that it would lodge in our hearts and begin to stir our spirit beyond just this moment, but in the days and the weeks and the months to come, and i pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, we all have been to the kids' Christmas functions or other functions where maybe the younger members of our church have been on the platform, and it's always intriguing when one of them gets a microphone because you just never know exactly what they might say. And if you've been to church for any amount of time, whether it's this one or another one, you've probably heard a couple funny things said by children in a microphone. And I was, I was, as I was preparing for this, I was looking at some prayers that kids have prayed, just not really understanding how to pray or what to say when they pray or really what to ask God about. Here's a couple of the prayers that kids have prayed. Dear God, I went to this wedding, and they were kissing right there in the church. Is that okay? How about this one? Maybe you share this sentiment. Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. This is a good one. This one resonated with me. Dear God, I love Christmas, and I love Easter, but could you please put another holiday in the middle because there's nothing good in between there? Dear God, do you draw the lines around the countries? If you don't, who does? Dear God, parents, you'll understand this one. Maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they each had their own rooms. It works out okay with me and my brother. Dear God, we read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school, they said you did it. I bet he stole your idea. (laughs) Dear God, I say your prayer every night. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us some email. But I never got an email from you. Do you have my right address? Here's a good one. Dear God, please take care of daddy and mommy and sister brother and my dog and me. Oh, and please take care of yourself, God, because if anything happens to you, we're just going to be in a huge mess. There's a kid that knew a little bit of something. Now, reading from Luke chapter 1, when the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. If you think about what's going on from a wider viewpoint than maybe what you have in the past, there's really a lot to offer the reader when you look at what's going on. And there's a few things that specifically stand out to me. First, there are many things that they could ask of Jesus. Jesus Teach us how to speak. Teach us how to teach or preach in parables the way that you do. Lord, can you teach me how to communicate with the crowds and with the masses and how to draw them to us to minister your word? Second of all, there are 24 chapters in the book of Luke, and so we're just about halfway through the book of Luke when Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. They had been with him for quite a while up to this point, so why did they wait so long to ask him? And third, these were Jesus' disciples. They definitely knew what prayer was. They knew how to pray, but clearly they felt like there was something missing in their prayer. There was an element of prayer that they had witnessed From others, which they knew they were missing in their personal prayer life. Indeed, they had no doubt prayed many times before, likely with Jesus many times. But there was something more that they desired in their prayer life. There was another level in prayer that they were seeking after. There was something that was missing when they were praying. I want to remind you tonight that prayer is foundational to every. Christian life. Prayer is foundational to everything that we do. That's why we take time on a Tuesday morning to pray. That's why we take time before a service like tonight to pray because it is the foundation of everything that we do. It is how we connect. It is how we communicate with God. And so in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they had this direct communion with God. Genesis chapter 3 mentions that they could hear the voice of God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And God desired and he created this direct relationship. He wanted fellowship with man. But when God created man, he created them with free will. And so when Adam and Eve, they fell into temptation, sin stepped in and began to create this void and this wedge between God and man that would persist and pursue through the rest of time. And it would drive us further and further apart. Sin literally shoved a wedge into the relationship that God desired to have with man. And in many ways, it severed the relationship that he had longed for. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, we read that man began to call on the name of the Lord. And there was something in humanity. There was this desire, this desire for connection and relationship with God. And that connection now came by this avenue that we call prayer. Everybody say prayer. I wanna remind you tonight that prayer is foundational. Prayer is not just an accessory. It's not an add-on to your walk with God. Prayer isn't just something that we schedule on a calendar that we do once a week at church. It's not just the extended warranty when things break down. It's not just your insurance policy when things happen to go off course. It's not just a safety net to catch you when you fall. Prayer doesn't merely exist to pull us out of the pitfalls of life. And prayer is not a burden, and prayer is not an obligation. Prayer is how we connect. It's how you connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's how we get the attention of heaven. And it is the avenue by which miracles and signs and wonders begin to happen. Can I get an amen? Prayer changes situations, and prayer changes the atmosphere and the environment when it's taking place. You felt it in the room tonight before we ever started singing. There was an atmosphere of worship. There was an atmosphere of prayer in this place. Prayer begins to change the atmosphere. Prayer brings the backslider home, and prayer opens the floodgates of heaven and pours out revival. Now, when we talk about prayer, a challenging principle to grasp is this. Prayer is not quantifiable. You can't measure prayer. You really can't calculate prayer. God did not lay out a structure of how much prayer was required to meet certain needs of sickness or healing. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, if you pray this many times or this many hours, maybe that will come to pass. No, that's not how it worked. There is no flow chart for prayer prayer and miracles to happen. There's no magical assortment of words and phrases that you can recite. There is no definitive length of prayer that is noted in order to achieve certain things. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah, it says he prayed once and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then just the next chapter later, in 1 Kings 18, it says Elijah had to pray seven times for the rain to come to pass. So he only had to pray once to stop the weather for three and a half years, but he had to pray seven times to bring it back. Prayer is not quantifiable. Another thing that you need to understand is that God hears every prayer. I thought a couple more people would believe that. I said, God hears every prayer. Not one prayer that we ever pray at home or in this sanctuary or in these seats or in this altar ever hits the ceiling and falls back down to earth. Not one prayer that you will ever pray will fall by the wayside. It is true that in your life, maybe it feels like God is silent when it comes to what you're praying about. And it is true that we may pray at times, hear me tonight, we may pray ineffectively. And I'll explain that. Ineffectively doesn't mean that there is no effect. There is always an effect when we pray, but we can pray ineffectively, which means it is lacking the desired effect or outcome that we want. We can actually pray ineffectively. And it's not that God doesn't hear the prayer, but sometimes it just feels like God is giving us the silent treatment. You ever been given the silent treatment before? It's not fun, it's awkward, you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do and sometimes prayer can feel like a one-sided conversation. But can I tell you tonight that there are some prayers that get the attention of God and there are some prayers that break through and begin to move the hands and feet of God and there are some prayers that change the weather, raise the dead, heal the sick and set the captive free. And these prayers, as James called them, are effectual, fervent prayers. Effectual, fervent prayers. And so it begs the question, what is effectual, fervent prayer? What is different about this than maybe how I see prayer today or how I approach my personal prayer life? What does effectual, fervent prayer mean? Well, that word, effectual. It's very similar in our English language when you translate it to the word energy. It's energio. It means to be active or to be consistent. It means to be efficient, to work, operative, to toil, to do, to labor. There is this sense of continuity. There is activity going on, progression. It's moving. It's operating. It's working. It's pushing. It is consistent. That is what that word effectual means. It means consistent prayer. Everybody say consistent prayer. And that word fervent, it means displaying passionate intensity or hot, burning, or glowing. So really what is being said here is when there is a continuation, when there is a consistent, passionate prayer being prayed, it avails much. Have you ever met somebody who's really passionate about something? I'm hearing some chuckles, which means the answer is most definitely yes. Now, passion in this context is not something that we would necessarily use a whole lot in 2022. So I'll give you some other other words that are synonymous with passion. Affection, desire, excitement, fondness. Enthusiastic, obsessed, fascination, crazed, intensity, burning desire, zealous, vehement. Really passionate people are intense. They're persistent. There is something or some idea or some object that they are fixated on, and you just can't get them away from it. They never stop talking about it. Does anybody know somebody like that about something? Now, if you don't, I want to introduce myself. My name is Alex Kinney, and I have this trait that I am very much aware of. I try to be self-aware of it as much as I can be. But I can become very enthusiastic or intense, obsessed, and passionate, and all those other synonyms that I said about something. And I take it to the extreme that by the time I am done talking about it, nobody likes me anymore. And even what was a good idea or something cool to talk about and think about just makes people angry. I just had to get that off my chest tonight. One of those things is is cars. I like cars. I've had more cars than I've had birthdays. And I can drive my friends or my wife crazy talking about cars and looking at cars and wanting to buy cars. And really, at the end of it, even if it's a great idea, my wife hates talking about cars because I just wear her down with my passion. So really, to bring it all back in, less about cars and more about prayer, effectual fervent prayer means this active, continual, powerful, passionate, intense prayers. Now, when I say the word passionate in context of prayer, sometimes we can think about it's just us winding up our emotions. Now, Praying passionately has really nothing to do with that, and it really has little to do with shedding a few tears or using fancy words in your prayer. And it's not even about how loud or how intense you pray. Volume and excitement do not always equate to passion, because that's too easy. I can do that in my flesh. I can, I can talk loud and I can pray loud and use exuberant words and be passionate, but that doesn't mean that I am praying effectually or fervently. I can do that in my flesh. Praying passionately is not just about our intensity. Although intensity may be paired with prayer and effectual fervent prayer, intensity in and of itself does not mean that you are praying effectual fervent prayers. But praying passionately to understand what that really means, it's about this intense and sincere confidence in who God is. Because if you have that idea, if you have the revelation and the understanding of who God is, prayer gets a whole lot easier. Why else would I pray if I didn't think that he could do it? But because I know who he is and because I believe he can do it, I take that intense, passionate confidence, not in my words, not in my prayers, not in who I am, but in who he is and I take it to the Lord. That's what praying passionately really is. Has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my volume. It has nothing to do with how long I pray, or how loud I pray, or what I pray. But it has everything to do with how I view the Lord. And so interestingly, when James chose to provide this illustration of such prayer, he chooses Elijah, like we talked about, whose prayers God had used to demonstrate his power. And it said, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, just like you, and just like me. Elijah... That great man of God was just like us, and he prayed earnestly. He prayed continually that it would not rain, and it didn't for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. But James' point was that although Elijah's mighty prayers and exploits were legendary, he was also just a man of frailties and flaws. Isn't that comforting? One of the greatest men in the Bible, he was flawed just like you, and just like me. But he had this connection to God. He had this relationship through prayer that he could literally command the weather to stop, and it would. But he was full of of character flaws, and this was never so obvious than after Elijah had prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and he has this showdown on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal, and he kills 450 of the prophets, and then he prays again that it would rain. After all of this happens, he, he recoils and he runs in fear and he fled from the threats of Jezebel, Ahab's wife. He actually crawled under a juniper tree where he asked the Lord, Lord, take my life. And how can we make sense of this behavior coming from Elijah, a man who could literally command the weather to stop and to start? A man that when he prayed, the prayers would would, uh, God would use to control the weather. This was the same man who called fire down from heaven, who destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. But after all of that was done, he still fled in fear. And the simple explanation is that Elijah was human. He was just a mere mortal like you and me. But God used his prayers in amazing and awesome and astonishing ways but he was still just an imperfect human being, just like you and just like me. Now James, example, it's very intentional. And his message is very clear. If God could hear and answer the passionate, faith-filled prayers of Elijah, a common man with a nature just like mine, he can also hear and answer my prayers, and he can also hear and he can also answer your prayers. And the reality is, the truth is, even though it doesn't always feel this way when we pray, and even though it doesn't always feel this way when we approach God with whatever's going on in our life, God is eager to answer the effectual, fervent prayers of ordinary but righteous people who believe in him. Do you believe that tonight? So the question is this. When I pray, when you pray, when we come together like we did tonight and we pray as a church family before church, are we praying consistently, And are we praying passionately, or as James said, effectual fervently? David Guzik, he's a well-known pastor and an author in Christian circles, and he's most known for his verse-by-verse commentary of the Bible, and he calls it the enduring word. But in a comment that he made about prayer, he said this. He said, much of our prayer is not effective simply because it is not fervent. It is offered with a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. Effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must emotionally persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things that he is fervent for. Yes, we can pray at times ineffective prayers. They don't go unheard, but they seem to lack the desired effect or outcome that we would like to see from those prayers. And we can take a posture of prayer and we can offer words to God that really don't mean anything because of our lukewarm attitude. Praying about things that you don't deeply care about. We use this expression, actions speak louder than words. Actions Speak louder than words. God, he's not looking for passion just in your words, but he's looking for passion expressed through action. We we can say that we care about something. We can say that we are concerned about something or something is gripping or grieving our hearts, and it may be true, but really, our actions, if we look at it, might actually betray our words on occasion. I'll give you an example. If somebody asks me how I feel about homelessness, I can say I care about homelessness and I do. I think it's a terrible problem that plagues many communities and the, the things that lead into people being homeless. It is a terrible place to be. It's a terrible life to live and a lot of times there are things that are holding those people bound and I, I care about that, I really do. But my lack of action, if I say I care about something, but there is no outward action, it actually proves my actual care and my actual passion for that issue. And oftentimes, you say, you know what? I, I feel that. I've been like that before. That's, that's happened in my life. Oftentimes, it's not because a lack of wanting to care. It's not for a lack of wanting to do something, but because life is busy. Isn't that the excuse we all like to use? And I'm not saying it's not a valid excuse, but we, we can lay back on that sometimes and say, I'm just so busy and it's been a busy week and it's been a busy month and, and I'll, I'll get, I don't know if I can carve time out for that today, but I'll, I'll maybe next week I'll work on that. Life can be draining Life can really pull a lot out of you if your schedule is filled, if your calendar is just filled with activities and you're going from one thing to the next. Life can be busy. And we can live life, hear me tonight, we can live life with the best of spiritual intentions, but still fall short because we lay on that excuse of life is busy. And so Luke chapter 8, it tells us this parable of this sower, they're scattering seed. And, and the parable tells us that this seed is the word of God. You may have heard this parable before. And, and there's these types of seed. Some fell by the wayside and stepped, and it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Some fell on rocky ground and as soon as it started to grow, it dried up because there was no moisture. Some fell on good ground. It sprang forth and produced fruit. But Luke chapter 8, verse 7, it mentions this fourth type of seed. Luke chapter 8 verse 7 reading from the King New King James version it says and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and it choked it and Jesus he went on to explain what this meant just a few verses later in Luke chapter 8 verse 14 Again, reading from the New King James Version, it says, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard the word of God, when they have come to church on Sunday, when they've been to midweek Bible study, when they've read the word of God for themselves in their personal devotion time, when they've heard it, they go out and they are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity it's not for a lack of care. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't care about the kingdom of God. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't care about this church. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't care about souls spending eternity somewhere someday. You do care, and I care, and that's why we gather every Sunday, but every once in a while when that seed of the word, just like it's happening tonight, when that goes out, Sometimes on Monday, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life just come in and they choke out what you heard. You know it's good, you know it's true, you know it's edifying, you know it's building you into a spiritual giant, but sometimes life just has this way of creeping in and taking the life away from that seed that is trying to grow. And that word choke, you want to understand what it means, it means to to strangle completely, or to drown, it means to literally take it and make sure that there is no life that is going to come back from that thing. And so these cares and riches and pleasures, they they choke, they strangle the life out of you sometimes. And cares, it literally means to divide or to separate. It represents a, a mental state or condition in which someone is occupied with or is dwelling upon something. In very simple words, when it says cares, what it means is distractions distractions. Distractions, distractions, distractions. Riches, it's pretty straightforward, means money, wealth, possessions, abundance. And the pleasures of life, it means Desire or lust or being pleased really it means whatever pleases you and so when we talk about effectual fervent prayer when we talk about the seed of the word of God going out and, and challenging us to pray or challenge challenging us to be more and, and do better and to grow into a spiritual maturity what fights against these effectual fervent prayers what fights against these consistent passionate prayers it's distractions and possessions and it's pleasures The seed goes out and we receive it and it begins to grow. But when we walk out the door and when we go to work on Monday, the cares, the riches, the pleasures, the distractions, possessions and pleasures, they begin to choke out what God is wanting to do through your prayer life. If we can break beyond those three things, we can learn to pray effectually fervent prayers. And God is not looking for people who just say they care, but he's looking for people that are willing to show that they care through that avenue of prayer. And I know that I am preaching to a church that believes in the power of prayer. We know that when we pray, we know that when we gather, we know that when we focus our attention on heaven and needs in our church congregation, that God hears us. Do you believe that tonight? We are a praying church, but we want to make sure that we're not just praying for the sake of praying, but we are praying the right way. We are praying with consistency and that we are praying with passion. Luke chapter 11, verse one. Again, the disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then after this is the Lord's prayer. But Jesus, he continued on in Luke chapter 11, verses five, reading through 13 in the New Living Translation. It says then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I, can, I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, though he won't do it just because he's his friend, if you keep uh, knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks, find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Can I remind you tonight, and I know I've already said it a few times, but God can do anything and God can do everything. He can do it however he wants. He can do it whenever he wants, and he can do it wherever he wants. He's not just the big boss in heaven that's reluctant to pour out blessing and healing and peace and grace and mercy and restoration. No, he desires to do those things, but God is looking for people who will pray persistently. So I say to you tonight, keep asking. Keep seeking and keep knocking. You might feel like you've been praying for that need for a long time, but keep on asking. Keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And the question might be, well, well, when do I stop? When do I let up? When do I only pray about that every second day instead of every day? When do I stop? I don't know. There is no time to stop. Just keep asking. Just keep seeking. And just keep knocking. And eventually your answer will come. Like I mentioned at the beginning, God and man, they had this direct connection. But that sin, it created that wedge, that void and gap between God and man. And and the new nature of that severed relationship gave way to this avenue that we're talking about tonight, this avenue of prayer where men began to call on the name of the Lord. And quite literally, Satan had caused this division between God and man. He, He literally stepped in between us where we had this direct connection. There was this relationship with nothing in between it, but because sin had created this wedge, Satan put his foot in the door, and now there was something between us and God. And when he did it, he created this plane that we call spiritual warfare. This avenue of prayer, this area of prayer that is a little bit different than just saying your bed- bedtime prayers with your children. It's It's intense sometimes, and we can come back to the music tonight. But it created this division between God and man. And if you read in the Bible, and I've not studied this deeply, and I'm certainly no theologian, but when you read about um, the the heavens, and when God created the heavens, there is this division that is talked about, and there are visions that go forth where, where they say, I was in the third heaven. And so they talk about these atmospheres. And the first atmosphere is, is the atmosphere that we, and it's the atmosphere right above our heads. And then there's this second heaven, which is the the stellar heaven. It's the sun and the moon and the stars. And then there is this third heaven where God resides. It's above the other two regions. And so there is literally these three atmospheres where God is in the third heaven and we are in this first heaven here on earth. It doesn't always feel like heaven and we don't use heaven to describe it, but really that's what the Bible calls it. And so there is this dimension between us and between God because sin stepped in and the devil stepped in and created this all the way back in Genesis. And so the question is this, how do we get what is in heaven down to earth? How do we get what God has for us? How do we get the miracles and the blessings and how do we get the answers to our prayer? How do we get what is in heaven down to earth? How do we do it? Well, there's this story in the Bible, Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 to 3, reading from the new King James. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the message was true, but the appointed time was long. It wasn't ready uh, for the people to hear it. And he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel was a man of prayer and a man of fasting. And he had something that he was seeking after. And so he said, I'm going to set some time aside to pray and I'm going to set some time aside to fast because I I need some things answered in my life. There are some things that I need to have clearer understanding about. There are some prayers that I am lifting to God in hopes that he will answer. And so just a few verses later in the same chapter, Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 14, it says, Suddenly a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Don't fear, Daniel. Hear this. I want to encourage you with this tonight. Because I know in a crowd this big, with this amount of people in the room tonight, that there are some prayers that somebody's been praying for a long time that you just feel are falling on deaf ears. And you feel like because it's been so long that God doesn't want to answer. Or you're discouraged and you've lacked praying for that thing because you said, I just don't know if God really wants to do that. I want to encourage you tonight. He said, don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, Daniel, from that first day that you began to pray, Daniel, from that first day that you began to fast, when you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Can I tell you tonight, every prayer that you have ever prayed has been heard by the Lord. Even though it might be a season of discouragement, even though you've prayed about other things before and didn't get your answer, Can I tell you tonight that every prayer you've ever prayed has been heard of the Lord? And he said, I have come because of your words. Daniel, I've come because of what you have prayed. What you've been praying about, what you've been seeking the Lord about, I have come to give you this word because of the prayers that you have prayed. I am here to speak to you. Then he says this. He says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, talking about Michael, the archangel, came to help me. For I had been left there, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. Let me explain this to you tonight. Daniel He fasted and he prayed and he sought the face of God for 21 days to receive special revelation and understanding concerning the Jewish people and what would happen to them after Daniel's time. And so he wanted to understand what the future held for Israel and he wanted to understand and wanted to leave behind a prophetic word that would encourage and would strengthen them. And so he began to pray and Daniel began to fast and 24 days later, because it was three days after his fast had ended, He was visited by this angel. And many believe that it was Gabriel, the messenger angel, who gave him this vision. And and what's fascinating about this interaction between Daniel and this angel is not the vision given to him, but the glimpse that we get into the spiritual realm that we don't think about every day. And here it is. God had released the answer to Daniel's prayer from the moment that he began praying. The very first word, the very first time that Daniel knelt down to pray, the very first time that he said, I need to seek after God for this answer. The very first time God said, I'm going to send the answer, Daniel. I've got what you need. I've got what you're seeking. I have what you desire. I'm going to release that. I'm going to deliver it to you. But this messenger angel, he says he was held up by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And he's not not talking about this physical prince. He's not talking about a man that withstood him at the door, a man that resisted him as he was marching towards where Daniel was staying. No, it's not a physical prince at all, but it's a a spiritual wickedness. It's a spirit in a high place. It's a, a prince that had the ability to withhold the prayers and the blessing that God had sent for 21 days. Until Michael, who the Bible describes as a warring angel, was able to break through and to let that messenger angel get the message to Daniel. Can I tell you tonight, I know I've said it a few times, but no prayer you've ever prayed has fallen on deaf ears. And sometimes, I feel this in the spirit tonight, sometimes your answer is just one more prayer away. Sometimes the answer that you are seeking after is just one more day away. Sometimes what you're looking for, what you're desiring of the Lord is just on the other side of the sunrise. And thank God, that Daniel had petitioned in his heart that he said, you know what? This is important to me. I, I care about this and, and I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to take 21 days to pray and fast to God because I need this answer. And so I want to encourage you. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And keep knocking. Because it could be tomorrow that that prayer is answered. It could be tonight that you get that phone call. It could be tonight that you get that text message. It could be next Sunday morning that they walk back through the doors of the church. It could be this week because you petitioned in your heart. You said, you know what? This is important to me, so I'm going to make sure that I'm praying consistently and I'm praying passionately. I care about this, and so I'm going to take that to the Lord. One more example. Cornelius, go to the book of Acts chapter 10. We don't have to read through the verses, but it talks about him being a, a devout man and his prayer and his alms. The prayers that he prayed And what he gave away to those in need, the prayers and the alms, they built a memorial into heaven so large, so big that it rises through the throne room of God. And God said, I can't ignore a man like that. Every time that you pray, can I tell you, you're just putting another brick on the memorial. Every time that you seek the Lord, every time that you come to pre-service prayer, or Tuesday morning prayer, or Friday night prayer, every time you kneel down, you're just putting one more brick that memorial, and I'm telling you, there is coming a day, I feel in the spirit right now, there is coming a day where those bricks are going to begin to stack and going to begin to build, and God's going to say, what is that? What is this that I see growing over here? Who is praying that prayer, and why does it keep on building and building and building, and at some point, God is going to step in and say, that is a prayer that I can answer. That is a person that is prayerful and desires an answer that is important. So I'm going to meet them in their place of need. Would you stand with me tonight? So what we're going to do in closing this service is we're just going to build on our memorial and say, Jesus, I've been praying about this for a while. And there's been days, no doubt, where I've been discouraged. There's been days, no doubt, where I doubted if you cared or if you were even listening. And there's been times and seasons and and moments where I just wanted to give up. But God, I'm going to be consistent with my prayer. I'm going to be diligent with my prayer. And God, I'm going to build on that memorial. And at some point, I know you're going to say, that's a prayer that I can't ignore. If you've got anything that you've been praying about in your life, if there is anything at all that you want to come to this altar with tonight and begin to build that memorial, would you make your way out of your seats? If you need encouragement from the Lord tonight, if you've been discouraged in your prayer life, if you've been discouraged about how things have been playing out, you've been praying about something, you can find peace and comfort in this altar tonight. Would you lift your hands and would you lift your voices with me? Everybody that can, let's come to the altar tonight. Let's begin to build a memorial. Lord Jesus, God, I worship you. And I put you on the throne of my heart tonight. And God, I'm just going to continue building that memorial. You see that need. God, you see that trial, that struggle, that thing that I've been praying about, that family situation, that job circumstance. So God, I'm coming to this altar tonight and I'm just going to begin to build that memorial. God, I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. And I'm going to keep on knocking. And God, I know that one day you are going to answer in Jesus' name.